0: Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello,
1: this is Roman Yeremchuk.
0: Hello, I'm Sergei Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine post Football. <laughs> This is Ukraine Plus Football, and we have a very special episode for you today, on the eve of the biggest match of the year. Scotland versus Ukraine is finally upon us. A match originally scheduled for March, which many doubted even would happen at all in the early period following the 24th of February. But circumstances and situations have luckily prevailed. Ukraine did not fall in days as some experts predicted, and continues to fight against the invading horde that battles its nation every single day since. The doubts over this week's match have faded as everything has been done to ensure that Sbirna have been able to prepare for this match and take to the pitch on Wednesday evening at Hamden. As soldiers on the front lines have communicated in their messages to the national team, we, the soldiers, are and will continue to fight with guns for the nation on the front lines All we ask of yourselves is to give your all on the pitch and reach Qatar. As such, it's a pleasure to get this pod underway. And we've got our regular co-host team on board too. Adam and Ray are with us. Ray, what's the feeling on the ground in Kiev like ahead of this big one?
1: Pleasure to be here. Uh, Well, it's uh, defined as the match of, uh, (laughs) of the new era and I wouldn't say a decade or a century, but it's definitely a match to prove ourselves. And uh, the stakes are extremely high, as they never have been. And let's not forget that there is also a second match in hand. So there's going to be two finals for our national team in case it makes it through the first one. So it's never been like this before. The case when we have to win both is has never occurred before. That's why it's That's why it's so special.
2: It really is. It really is. And on this special preview show, we've got not one, but two special guests. Gordon from Tartan Scarf Podcast. Welcome. How are you feeling ahead of Wednesday, mate?
3: Yeah, thank you so much for for having me. I think I certainly feel... I feel apprehensive, I feel conflicted. I feel th- th- there 's a lot of competing emotions I think among the vast majority of the tartan army because obviously for us, this is our opportunity to qualify for a first world cup in twenty four years, which would be a massive achievement for us we 've not been since one thousand nine hundred and ninety eight so and we 're potentially in the best place we 've possibly been to return to our world Cup finals, but obviously you have to look at the wider context that we're approaching this match and the fact that Ukraine are coming to Hamden and the the, the struggles and the pressures and the, the challenges that you've had to overcome to make this game possible. And I think, you know, in the same way that hopefully Wednesday night will be a massive moment for global international unity on the world stage, hopefully we can have this podcast tonight in that similar vein, you know, that we can share share this time together in, you know, mutual respect and admiration for one another. That's what, that's what I'm hoping to bring tonight.
0: Completely agree and I'm looking forward to it. Our second special guest today is someone whose exploits in Scottish football have been covered by ourselves for a little while now. And it's a huge pleasure to finally welcome St. Johnston's centre mid, Max Kuchuriavi, to the show.
4: Thanks for inviting. Really happy that the game will take place and hopefully it will be a big day for football, no matter what the result will be.
0: Absolutely. For anyone who doesn't know Max, he started his footballing journey in his hometown of Kyiv, playing for academies in the city. Meanwhile, ex-Scotland manager Craig Levine was in town for the UCL final in Ukraine's capital in 2018. Kuchiriavi managed to catch the eye whilst the former Scotland manager was visiting a Kyiv academy. Levine, who worked for Hearts at the time, managed to get Kucharyavi some training sessions with the Edinburgh club. After two years of regular trips to Scotland, Hart sadly didn't end up offering Kucharyavy a pro deal. However, St. Johnston did. Whilst he's yet to make his senior debut for the Perth side, the Ukrainian has had two successful loan stints in 21-22. His first coming at Brecon City and his second most recently as he helped Kelty Hearts win League Two in Scotland. Which is even more impressive as you take into account how difficult the past three months have been for Max and Ukraine as a whole. How have you been coping since February then, Max? How difficult has it been? I think the war has changed me a lot, same as everyone else in
4: Ukraine and all the Ukrainians who live abroad. So probably just started appreciate what I've got more than any time else. Just enjoy it. Try to enjoy playing football and forget about anything. But it's been tough, tough three months mentally for me because my family, all my friends, everyone is in Ukraine. It's not, not ideal when, when you see it away from them and can't really help or change anything or make them feel better
0: yeah absolutely so if we just go back to the football slightly for a second how do you think your two loan spells this year have helped you in moulding you as a professional footballer, because I'm sure, especially the stint at uh, Kelty Hearts, has been massively beneficial to your development.
4: Yeah, I think both both loans really helped me because I've not played for nearly two years, maybe. So it was important for me to get a lot of games under the belt and probably express myself as as much as I possibly could within. Hopefully, fight for my place in St. Johnson team for next season. I'm I'm happy with how both loans went, Uh the goal is always to play for St. Johnson. We'll see when pre-season comes. Sounds good. I'm looking
0: forward to it. Um, I think we all are, and everyone who listens to the pod.
2: Certainly, certainly. Uh, well, let's begin with today. Today with our opponents, Gordon. We'll be pouring and welcome you on on first. Uh, of course, there's probably a different mood around the match prior to this week's fixture as opposed to when we were building up to it in February before the war uh, broke out. I mean how's the general feeling in Scotland ahead of the tie? and you know have you noticed the change in the attitude compared to what the mood was like in February?
3: Yeah absolutely I, I, th- I think I certainly have noticed obviously a change, change in, in feeling and, and you know it, it's, it's completely understandable that, that there would be a change in approach, because like I said earlier, you know, you can't ignore the wider context of this game. It's, it's absolutely impossible to, um, you know, coming into February, the, the excitement was absolutely hitting all new heights. You know, I think Steve, Steve Clark just recently celebrated three years as Scotland manager. And basically after the first like six months of his reign, it's basically been consistent progress, consistent development. We qualified for the Euros. And then we entered into this World Cup qualifying campaign and we've just gotten better and better. And, you know, we were we were coming into those games in March uh, on the back of six consecutive wins in a row in World Cup qualifying, which we've not done in a very long time. We obviously continued our unbeaten run through March. We drew in Poland, we drew in Austria uh, in friendlies. So we're now, we're still coming into this game eight games unbeaten. So I think, look, from a footballing perspective, we're in a very good place. Fitness-wise, we're we're shaping up quite well i think obviously the 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 key player that we're missing is kieran tierney who it is a great shame to be missing him because on the left hand side of our back three he is just he's a unique player he he brings so much with the combination play that he has with andy robertson up the left wing you know he can even he's like he's the best underlapping centre-back in the world I mean in World Cup qualifying he got a hat-trick of assists against the Faroe Islands from left-sided centre-back he's wonderful so and he's a player that you can't replace because no one else can do what he does so but at least we've known basically since March that he was going to be missing so hopefully Steve Clark will have his plan for how to replace him but other than that the team's looking good I think form for our players hasn't been quite as good since March um, but I'll be honest with you, I think we've built a team now that kind of goes beyond club form because they're, they've played together for so long as a Scotland team together that it doesn't really matter what they're doing for their club teams. They slot straight back in for Scotland. So, yeah, there, there's so much excitement for this game, obviously, but of course it's tempered by, yeah, just this feeling that you know being realistic the world is going to want us to lose you know on wednesday night there's there's no doubt about that so it's a strange experience for all of us i think
1: all right gordon and what about the uh, general um, tactics uh, the scotland uh, would play in that match because we will discuss ukraine more detail in the ukraine segment of our podcast but previously uh, we played a friendly with bruce and Gladbach, and our coach said that they play qu- quite a mirrored uh, scheme to the scotland sides like 352 Mm -hmm. Uh, So who are the uh, danger men uh, to uh, look out for? Is it real that um, the Scotland likes to to press high? And uh, is it real that you like to play the similar tactical uh, model? And do you think that... Andrew Robertson is going to struggle after the poor Liverpool performance.
3: Yeah, so that is certainly something that Steve Clark has brought in. So basically, when we, came, when we came back from the sort of COVID lockdown in 2020, he spent that COVID lockdown devising this tactical system that we have played every single game since. So I think you can be very, very uh, confident that we will line up in that 3 five, 2 formation with only the only question marks being just the slight variations of how he quite deploys it at times we've played with two strikers together we've played Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes together and other times in fact more recently it's been Shea Adams up front on his own with two kind of attacking midfielders playing off him um, the, 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 real, the real key to this to the formation and the system that we play is how well we look after the ball now we play with the, the a midfield three of Billy Gilmore from Nor- from Chelsea on loan at Norwich this season Cal McGregor the Celtic captain and John McGinn from Aston Villa those three players in midfield they retain they win possession back they retain possession they give license to our wing backs to attack high because obviously we don't play with really with wingers in our team at all so we rely on Andy Robertson on the left and Everton's Nathan Patterson on the right to drag the team forward and provide width and and you're right we we do try and play a high intensity game high pressure winning the ball back um i think when, when you ask about andy robertson i don't think i've ever seen a fitter player than andy robertson he is unbelievable he could be playing the first game of the season or the last or the 60th game of the season he will run that line all day every day and i think since he became Scotland captain in 2018 he's grown into the role more and more. And I think every time you see him, you listen to him, you hear him speak, it's so clear how much he cares about playing for Scotland, how much this means to him and how much of a leader he is in that team. Um, in fairness, we we have many. Yeah. And yet, look, Danger Men, I think really, in an attacking sense, the one you have to look out for, you have to watch for is John McGinn, Aston Villa's midfielder, because, again, the, the way that he plays for Scotland, he's now got 12 goals for Scotland, which is a fairly incredible record for central midfielder. He, I always think when I watch him, he must be the biggest pain in the ass, if I can say that, for the opposition to play against because he's got this low centre of gravity. He's got what we like to call, he's effectively got like a concrete backside where he will get between you and the ball. He'll stick his arse out. He'll win the ball off you. He'll turn you. He'll spin you. His passing is great. He makes these late runs into the box. He'll always find pockets of space. You see a lot of his goals come from maybe crosses where he's made a late run into the box, a late dart and a finish. He's he's all action all the time and he's impossible to ignore.
0: Interesting. Um, it's it's going to be, I think it's going to be a battle of the match fitness on Wednesday, personally, uh, because obviously we know that the majority of the Scotland squad have been playing more or less week in, week out for their respective clubs. Whereas in Ukraine, it's the complete opposite really. And uh, the difference between competitive matches and friendlies and the likes is going to be quite complex but we'll come on to that bit for Ukraine in a bit I just want to touch on your thoughts and maybe Max's thoughts as well on the new initiative from Duolingo uh, <laughs> with with the phonetic lyrics for the national anthem. I think I'll come to Max first. Do you th- Do you think it's a nice gesture that Scotland have done this, or do you think it's like maybe they're maybe Duolingo trying a bit too hard to try and make it a bit inclusive just Just let the Ukrainians sing their anthem and then let the Scottish be respectful and vice versa
4: no i think I think it's a nice, nice gesture, but quite too much. I think it's not what Scottish fans normally would do to any team they play against as many games as I watched it's Hamden it's a real. Scottish fortress for the Scotland national team. So with with everything going on in Ukraine, it it looks like a nice nice gesture, but I'm not sure if all the fans would like to do it
0: if you ask them personally. It's just my my point of view. Jordan, what do you think? What's and what's the general consensus I think maybe on social media and people that you know? What just because I think in Ukraine I've seen a lot of like pages and stuff say, "Oh yeah, this is so nice and this kind of thing." But even myself, I'm like mm. Is it really gonna be great? And the phonetics are also slightly off. And it's just in general, I just, I personally would have thought a nicer way would have been to translate the lyrics into English so that maybe you just understand the meaning of them and it would be better that way. But what's, what's the general consensus uh, just for people listening and maybe to get a bit of a mood ahead of the game?
3: Yeah, I I think I think it's really nice. I think I think it's a it's a well-meaning gesture. I think I'm sure plenty of fans will perhaps retain a respectful silence rather than uh, trying to add their voices to the anthem and potentially butchering it to a point that just becomes em- embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I think it's obviously a unique circumstance for obviously a very unique match. I think you'll probably see quite a lot of Ukraine flags. In the, in the home sections, brought out of solidarity for, for the country. I know, for example, I'm, I'm actually going to the game with my mum, and my mum is going to bring a Ukraine flag to show during the anthems. So I think there are, there are many different ways that we can show respect and welcoming, uh, like I said earlier, in the spirit of international and global solidarity. I'm sure the anthem will get a rapturous applause when it is finished. And then it'll be Flower of Scotland. And, you know, that, that I've, I've always loved that of international football, you know, that this is the, these are the opportunities for countries to come together in, in sport, in, in, in the spirit of friendship and togetherness, in unity. And I think we'll see that more than anything on Wednesday night. I'm sure there'll be a few, a few tears shed probably on both, on both sides on, as, as those anthems are played.
0: And yeah, just before we move on then, Gordon, what is mm-hmm. the media saying? in Scotland what what, how do they sort of rate your chances Um, is there some sort of pessimism you know obviously not through any fault of your own but due to the circumstances that maybe you're the not the underdogs you're actually maybe the favourites but you're the ones that no one really wants to win outside of Scotland what's how, how are they reacting to it all
3: yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Because, like like I said, generally Scotland are considered the underdogs in most matches that we play against. And you know, given the the famous friendly nature of the Tartan Army and how they travel in massive numbers and generally leave behind a great reputation wherever they go, I feel like in most matches there's quite a lot of fans around the world that would actually quite like to see Scotland do well. So this circumstance of being the team that people don't actively do not want to win—it's been new to us, and I think it's been a little, there's a little bit of discomfort there, you know, around the postponement. You know, you saw there were quite a few opinion pieces in the media about saying, "Can we just find a way to make sure Ukraine go through and make sure you know we'll expand the World Cup and and put Ukraine through into the finals, and then we will we go on to face Wales, regardless." And th- there's been a fair bit of debate about that back and forth, but I think. Certainly from my perspective, the, the best way we can possibly, you know, respect Ukraine and respect what what the situation is, is, is like we said, to open our arms in sporting togetherness, welcome them onto the pitch on Wednesday and then play a match together. And that's the best thing we can possibly do. And obviously we are desperate to win and the stakes are incredibly high for us and we would love to win. But if Ukraine go through, they'll they'll go on with our our best wishes because you know I'm sure plenty of Scotland fans wouldn't want to see Wales at a World Cup either. So, um, yeah, it's like like I said at the beginning, we we feel so conflicted in a lot of ways because of this. Because yeah, we we we, we don't want to. Yeah, it, it's difficult. It's very difficult, isn't it? To, to really to really sum up in words. I mean, you
2: have summed up the sentiment though that. I'd put on the radio earlier earlier today when, when I was asked those questions as well. I think there's going to be a lot of warmth, a lot of uh, friendship, mutual respect show. And then when that first whistle is blown, it's going to be a competitive battle to try and grab that spot, which I've, I, I know talking to as many Ukrainians as I do, I think that's what everybody wants to see. And certainly looking forward to it. Now, I... Moving over to the Ukrainian side, Andrew, you've been whizzing about all over. I'd never know what country you've been in the last month. Um, I mean, what's been the story of the national team in 2022? So, I mean, shall we start off with the game against Bosnia back in
0: November? Yeah, so quick little whistle stop tour. Um, since what's happened since Ukraine's last game, uh, they obviously beat Bosnia in Bosnia 2-0, and made it through to uh, the World Cup playoffs, drawn with Scotland, where um, I've seen some video circulating of the, of the draw where Petrakov stands up and gives a little clap. So Some of the Scottish fans are using that as a bit of a motivator, uh, solely on the pitch. Um, and then, you know, everyone was preparing for the 23rd or whenever it was in March, and it never came. Because sadly, the invasion by Russia began on the 24th of February, and that was two days before the Premier League, uh, Ukrainian Premier League, was meant to restart after the winter break. So there was already a two and a half month gap for when Dynamo Kyiv players, Shakhtar players, Nipro, one, uh, Vorskla players, etc., hadn't played a competitive. Um, game, they were on holiday, they went to their training camps in Turkey, wherever. But, you know, that sort of match fitness never came about. And obviously, once the invasion began, a lot of the players that were domestically based were in Ukraine. So some of them were hiding in bomb shelters, some of them were hiding up in car parks. Um, A lot of the players, especially, you know, after the first few days when martial law began, uh, 18 to 60 year olds weren't allowed to leave. So they were essentially stuck in Ukraine. Couldn't really do anything. They could only train on their own, sort of going back to COVID, where they had to do it in their homes and all that kind of thing. And the ones that had three or more kids were allowed to leave. So, for example, uh, Sidor Chuk, um, I think krivtsov he's not actually in the squad, but Piatov as well. They were all allowed to leave the border. They went to Romania for a start. And then, I guess... There were doubts as to what was going to happen uh, with this match. A lot of questions, um, as Gordon already mentioned, like right at the start, were they going to give Ukraine uh, a bye to the final? <laughs> Should Ukraine get a forfeit sort of for this game? What's going to happen? Everyone was really in doubt whether this game would even happen at all. I think that I always thought they would be postponed, but then what? Like what's, how is everything going to develop um, on the likes? But As we've seen, Ukraine didn't fall after a few days, as some experts predicted. It continued uh, fighting and is continuing to fight and has made great progress. But obviously, there's still a lot of work to be done to to rid the the Russians from Ukrainian land. So I think about a month and a half into uh, the war, uh, Dynamo Kiev and Shakhtar got special permission by the Ministry of Sport and Culture. They were allowed to leave the country to train and then play in charity tours, which we've already mentioned in our previous pods. So those Dynamo Kiev players, Shakhtar players have been playing matches up until the start of May um, against some of the sides in Europe. But similarly, as we've already mentioned about the match fitness thing, they're all friendlies. So they have played against the likes of Borussia Dortmund, Legge Warsaw, Galatasaray, Hadjuk Split amongst others, maybe not the top, top-level teams that some people were expecting in this, that we hope will come maybe in the summer or something. But, I mean, it's fitness nonetheless. And then all of those players at the start of May, the domestic ones, ended up joining uh, the national team camp in Slovenia, which has been paid for and provided for everything by um, Alexander Cheferin, the UEFA president, um, and it's at the Slovenia national team base. So Ukraine have been there since the start of May. They've played three friendlies over the past three weeks, one one against Bruce Mitch and Gladbach that they won two one, and then two a week and a half ago, which was against um, Empoli that they won three one and then against Rijeka, which was one all, but that Rijeka game, you could say was like a third string Ukraine team. Not nowhere near full strength, really. And some of those players ended up actually leaving the camp after ahead of all of the foreign based players that we've been waiting for to come. So now the team and squad have been together more or less fully um, for the past week. So Yomilenko, um Mikolenko, Zinchenko, and the likes are all there now. They've all been preparing. There was hope of a final friendly against someone like the Democratic Republic of Congo or something like that to give an actual challenge rather than against some sort of random club team that you're not 100% sure of <laughs> the opposition um, intensity. And But it never happened. Ukraine have since played a inter-squad friendly, which finished one all. Uh, Yaremchuk scored and Dovbek scored but like all these matches that we've seen Ukraine play over the past few weeks none of them go on any official records or anything and there were no highlights from this inter-squad so we're not 100% sure on how the squad is but from the different interviews that Petrkov and all the players have been saying over the past few days and weeks I think they're as ready as they possibly can be under the circumstances
2: Thanks for that, thanks nice. You've brought six months together in about five minutes, so it's a pretty impressive job. Uh, Max, I'm going to turn to you here. Uh, looking ahead to the game on Wednesday, what are your hopes and expectations for the big
4: one? My hopes? Just expect a good game of football, probably. It will be less, less emotional than it normally is in Scotland games. Because every game at Hamden, it's sometimes more about the emotions and desire than about football. And sometimes it, it's the problem in, in those games. But on Wednesday, I actually expect just the proper football game. And Andrew said that the fitness fitness can be a problem for Ukrainian players. But I think the, the desire to play in this game and desire to win will beat any problems. But for me, it can be the case in the second game. Because sometimes... When the games are in in three days and you are emotionally empty mm-hmm. it's really hard to find energy and everything to play in a second game but i'm sure that every player who will start the game will be ready to play 90 120 as long as they need but the fitness can be the problem in a second game in my point of view yeah i was going
2: to ask you about that so you sort of agree with the sentiment that uh this added motivation the messages from the front line from the soldiers that that's going to help our boys on Wednesday. It's going to give them that extra 20% to help them get over these fitness issues.
4: Yeah, I think it can can give them some ex- extra motivation. But at the same time, if, if you get too many messages from from fans... That, I watched uh, some Ukrainian, not the players, but just Ukrainian people, and they say that puddlers say that they receive messages from the fans like win, win or die which puts a lot of pressure on them. They don't need, to, well, Hopefully, hopefully, I really hope they don't receive too many of them. And the messages from the boys on the front line is enough to add just motivation, not, not the pressure.
2: I agree completely. Now, Petrikov, he he keeps us on our toes, doesn't he? He's been keeping us on our toes over the last month. Right. Ray, how do you think Ukraine's going to settle? On Wednesday, is it going to be the three-five-two? Is it going to be the four-three-three? What do you think he's got up his sleeves?
1: Yeah, I would opt for the five-defense lineup with three center backs. And uh, well, in in terms of this match, it's uh, as we early pointed out, it's a battle of match fitness. And uh, uh, giving that into account, uh, the foreign players of our national team who arrived later to the camp, would probably make, the or hoped, to be making the difference. Uh, that's why we would need uh, a uh, Malinowski as um, the uh, number 10, I guess. And uh, the left winger, uh, I would go for Zinchenko, as it, as it happened in the Sweden game in Euros, where he made all the difference. I hope that uh, Petrako would do the same as I just suggested. But these are just my views. And um, well, we heard that the Dynamo players are uh, already have already left the camp, and uh, they were called just for numbers. So we couldn't uh, count for uh, the likes of Bujalski, who is a creative player as well, or Garmash or Besiedin. But hopefully, Shaparenko is staying and. He is a good option uh, in the midfield as well. So, yeah, I would go for uh, five uh, defenders in the back and the
2: um, foreigners up front. Fair enough. Andrew, do you agree with
0: that? I I would hope that um, Mudrik gets a chance at left wing, possibly. Just as sort of this wild card that maybe Scotland aren't expecting, even though they might have watched the friendlies, but... Even still, however, I still think that Petrkov is going to go for his tried and trusted with uh, Thankov, even though he's not been playing too well. He's out of confidence. It's just because he's got the experience in that position. He's, he's going to stick with that. And then just because of how Mikolnikov has been playing recently, he's going to be left back. And um, in midfield, in the middle, it's going to be like Stepanenko and Zinchenko, as we've seen in the past, even though it's not that effective um in the grand scheme of things. When we see Zinchenko go out, out wide on the left as left back or left wing, he's a lot more he's a lot more creative and even better, I'd say, defensively, etc. It just frees up that midfield. So if I had to sacrifice someone, it might have to be Mikolenko. Um just put him on the on the bench and maybe play Zinchenko out wide and then slot in Shaparenko just alongside uh, Steparenko and then see how that goes it's
2: i mean it's it's a nice problem to have though isn't it really <laughs> you know which the sorts of names are talking about leaving out are are, are huge names i I'd, I'd love to see 4 against scotland listening to gordon with the the fact that they will scotland rely on the, the wing backs to get the get them so far up the pitch having two wide wingers and then full backs backing them up could provide a lot of trouble for Scotland. Um, you may, Gordon. You may not agree, but uh, Scotland do struggle at times to get goals.
3: Yeah, you're 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 right. You're absolutely right. I mean, we uh, Scotland it's something that has sort of bothered Scotland fans for as long as I've been a Scotland fan. That you know we haven't had a centre forward that you can just always rely on to score. Um, which has always been a challenge, you know. We've we've had guys like, guys like Kenny Miller in the past who would play that lone striker role, which is obviously a very lo- can often be a very lonely role for Scotland. And he'd work his socks off, he'd run the channels all all the game, but he maybe only scored about twelve or thirteen Scotland goals in his career. Um, but you know, I think what we do have in this team and I think is one of our greatest strengths is that we we have goals kind of from all over the team now. I mean, we have Southampton's Shea Adams who can lead the line very impressively. We have QPR's Lyndon Dykes who last year became the first Scotland player since the 60s to score in four consecutive competitive games. And then obviously, like we said earlier, John McGinn has scored 12 goals in the last just over a year and a half for us. Um, and then you've also got Christie, Stuart Armstrong, Cal McGregor can score. I mean, we have we we are we are fortunate enough to have a lot of different options now, um, and obviously plenty of those options might be starting on the bench and might have to come on later into the game, you know, to change things. So I think we've certainly got the the probably the deepest squad I've ever known us to have, and and combine that with the most settled starting eleven as well.
2: Yeah, fair play, fair play. Hey. I was going to ask you, of course, about if Modric should start or not, but you've already given answers to that one, guy. Uh, interesting, you said, Andrew, about Mikolenko's potentially starting on the bench and Zinchenko because they're both they're playing the same positions. And Ray, do you feel the foreign the foreign based players should automatically start, given their sort of we all assume? higher levels of at least match fitness if not just general fitness levels their match fitness is going to be so much higher is it almost an imperative that they do start in your opinion
1: well if we think as patrick oh yes if we give into account uh, if you get into account his logic then yes and uh, it's as simple as it gets it's as simple as uh, his press conferences and it is um, there is no second uh, meaning to that you know and uh, You shouldn't be expecting for something as a riddle or a quest uh, for an opposition. And, uh, I would go for Mikolenko in the defense and Zinchenko as a winger. And that's how I see it. And, uh, other than that, uh, it would be, um, I'm, I wouldn't actually count on tactics that much in terms of Ukrainian national team in that game, because, uh, as we probably are going to cover next in the next bit, <laughs> there's, a, there's a burden on the footballers.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree with that, Ray. Uh, of course, there will be some sort of tactics. They'll be playing the usual build-up play through the middle or we'll try and get out to the wings and get a ball into uh, Chalk so he can get something onto it and, and finish it. Although, the match that I watched where he did start with Empoli, it was very much a lot of... Um, stuff working through Shaparenko and that kind of thing and then laying him in so that he could end up finishing but he's great link-up so I'm sure whoever will start with just behind him Malinowski, Shaparenko, whoever else um, it'll be a great sort of partner um, however, just as you mentioned Ray I think there might be something a bit more than football going on here for the motivation we've already mentioned, there's a lot of that but For me personally, just following the team over the past few months, uh, seeing their interviews with the media, in general how they've been reacting on social media as well, there's a general more national and patriotic consciousness in the national team, that I've never really seen before. We've seen this unity under Shevchenko. He brought it in, uh, everyone was friendly, everyone um, seemed very open and, you know, close to the fans and all that kind of thing. But now I see a general cause and there's like a real pride to wear the shirt. Like it is, as, as Max said earlier, um, a do or die thing, even as much as they don't want to know that, I think they, in the backs of their minds, they're like, it's that kind of mentality that they're gonna give it their all on the pitch. Albeit I think they'll put their emotions to a side the moment the anthems are done, but they're gonna keep going. Um, For example, one of the best examples of that is I'm seeing more or less every single um, national team player speak in Ukrainian in official proceedings. So in interviews, in other media appearances. And that's something that honestly, even until last year, you'd be like, what the heck? Because um, the legacy of the Soviet Union, etc., Sport in Ukraine has always been the lingua franca has been been Russian, but now it seems even though like training sessions and all that in private are still probably in Russian. Everyone communicates how they do, how they want. In in public, there's this sort of image that we're Ukrainian, we're proud to be Ukrainian, we're we're going to do this for you and for the country. Do you have that sort of same viewpoint as me, Max? Do you agree with that?
4: Yeah, I agree. I think I think it started during the Euros last year, probably as soon as the new kit came out with the <laughs> Ukraine map, all the all the boys' social media and all the interviews started to to be done in Ukrainian. But at some point, I think maybe November, December twenty twenty one, it's kinda changed back to what it used to be. But obviously since since the since the invasion started, I think no one wants to hear or know or speak Russian anymore. So I think in the future even even in a private the boys will start speaking Ukrainian because I'm sure it's important for them even in, in their normal life, not just in public. And obviously they are all, all of them are role models for, for all the people in Ukraine. They're someone who people look at and try to, to be like them, to copy some stuff or just to do something with what their heroes do. So I think I think in the future they will speak Ukraine even in their private
0: life. Yeah, i got to say, I sort of agree with that. Maybe not all of them but i think a, a good chunk of them probably will be doing that as well but yeah i think overall that sort of stuff is is a sort of a welcome surprise it's a shame that it's obviously in the context of the war and in the invasion but sometimes the you know patriotism comes in in strange ways and strange forms and as a result of the bad circumstances we're in the sort of unity has uh, strengthened even more. I think uh, maybe I'll ask this one to Ray. Do you think that the burden is too, could be potentially too much? Mm-hmm. It's something that me and Adam have answered on the radio over the past few days for Scottish media. Could it be maybe a bit too much? Or do you think that they will be professional enough to just leave it on the, leave it on the sidelines whilst they're playing the game, Ray?
1: Well, it's going to be tough. Definitely. It's going to be tough to leave it aside and uh, given into account our uh, general mood over the uh, national team throughout the previous years, I would go for um, neutrality, because they would uh, they would try to play professional, but to into, into account their shape and their fitness is going to be a challenge. And um, when we think about that, uh, it's, it's going to be a dangerous mix. It's going to be pretty much like a Molotov cocktail, you know. (laughs) Every player of our team is going to be holding that when they going before the before the um, uh, first whistle of the game, and how they use these cocktails is a question which will be decided only after the 90 minutes plus are going to run out.
2: Just going to be such a a monumental occasion, I think, for for all for all of us, and. We can only hope, as Max said earlier, that they use this to to find that extra 20 percent that will push them over the line. Are you, Gordon, you sat there listening to, to all of this. But I, let's come back to Scotland for 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 a uh, for a few minutes here. Uh, what's the mood like in you know in Glasgow? I mean, what's what's it going to be like over the next few days in the build-up? to the game and what can we expect on Wednesday from the Scottish fans?
3: So yeah as I've sort of alluded to a couple of times you know this this for us in our World Cup qualification context is our biggest game for 25 years I mean bizarrely our history in qualifying campaigns since 1998 is that we would generally do quite well in Euros qualifying campaigns we had three playoffs for the Euros and obviously qualified for Euro 2020 um, but never got close to a World Cup. We never, we would always be there, thereabouts to get a playoff, but we'd fall short just without getting to the playoffs. So, this is just such a massive game for us. And I think, you know, you, you'll always hear players say at this time of season in these sort of matches, you know, play, play the, play the game, not the occasion. And I think you've, there's never a better time for that cliche than right now because. As we've said, you know, this is just going to be such a unique, different occasion. And I think the onus will be on the Scotland players. You know, the, the expectation will be so high from our fans. You know, the atmosphere at our game is recently when we we beat Israel in the last minute in qualifying. Then we beat, beat Denmark, the 10th best team in the world. We comprehensively beat them 2-0 at home in the final game that got us this home semi final the atmosphere in the crowd those games has been among the best I've ever seen going to Scotland games. And I've been going to Scotland games. I've not missed a home game since 2007, I think. Um, but I think the onus will be on our players to really try and, try and stay calm. Early doors, 10, 15 minutes, there will be a lot of, especially the Ukraine players, the emotion of the game will surely be, as, we, as you guys have just said, it will be such an incredible motivator for them. And... It will be pushing them on, and you just have to try and stay calm. Stay calm. I mean, uh, Steve Clark has a has a has a saying that he often often likes to likes to say. You know, where he talks about having you know like like fire in the belly and ice on the brain. And I think that's exactly what we need to see from the Scotland players on mm-hmm. Wednesday night. Because certainly the atmosphere in the crowd will be unbelievable. We will be so behind the team. We're behind these players. We've actually. In my time following Scotland, again, I've not seen us, I've not heard us sing more songs for our players than we do now. You know, the tartan army would always sing about themselves and sing about generally following Scotland and we'll support you ever more and we'll walk 100 miles for one of your goals. But now we sing songs about Scott McTominay, about Lyndon Dykes, about Andy Robertson, about John McGinn. Because they are, they're becoming legends for us now. You know, we've got lots of legends from decades past, but this group of players are becoming legends in the eyes of the fans with what they've achieved already, and they're now so close to taking us back to the World Cup.
2: Well, I'd like to wish you luck, but I won't.
3: <laughs> Absolutely understood. <laughs> Absolutely fine. <laughs> um,
2: but I mean, it was, as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm expecting. A wonderful experience've I'm expecting a warm atmosphere especially before the game hopefully after as well and um, I'm hoping everyone gets to appreciate the experience in its fullest on on Wednesday I only wish I could be there with you all <laughs> well never mind
0: <laughs> 3,000 fans expected Ukraine fans uh, I think there's a big chunk of refugees that are going to be let in um, for free or catered to and also a lot of traveling support some people i know coming from america uh, canada ireland europe etc so it's, it's going to be an occasion for sure and i'm really looking forward to it
1: all right and max to close up the topic on uh, scotland and uh, ukraine how receptive have scots been recently to the ukrainians uh, and the refugees uh, what experiences have you seen
4: or heard, maybe? I think all all the Scottish people welcome Ukrainians really warm, and even in League Two games, any away games I went to, there've been Ukrainian flags, there've been a lot of support showed personally to me, and also I know there is a Nipro kids organization. The the guys brought 52 kids from Nipro with their families in Iberian football club. They sponsor and help them, and I visited them after the. Keeps St. John'son game and seeing the smiles on kids' faces, how how happy they are, they they actually probably keep living, which is most important because for small kids, it's it's probably they're the ones who don't deserve it at all. But seeing smiles in their face was really really important for me and just such a nice feeling to see them smiling and enjoying trying to enjoy their life. So yeah, I think Scottish people have been been great to all the Ukrainians. That really is inspiring.
1: And how about you personally? How has Scottish food been for you? Have you missed borscht?
4: Yeah, not. I've not been home much for the last two years. Probably, so I've not not seen my family for for ages. And obviously, you just you miss people more than you miss some material stuff. But of course, I miss food. I miss everything. Just miss home. But it's something something you need to go through because it was it was my my own choice. I decided that I want to play in Europe. And I want to to change something, so I was ready to do this step, so I can't complain about it because it wasn't it wasn't the war or anything else that made me move somewhere. It was my own decision, so I'll never complain about it because it's just my own choice.
2: Max, before we finish up, we have to have a prediction for you from you for. The game on Wednesday. How do you think it's going to be?
4: I think it will be 2-1 to Ukraine.
2: Thank you. Uh, Max, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking time out to come and join us. Uh, hope you enjoyed the closed season as well and we're looking forward to following your progress with St. Johnson next year.
3: Thank you. Gordon? You're expecting a prediction from me? of course we are of course we are. <laughs> oh my goodness um i predict it will be a uh oh, a nerve shredding miserable experience on wednesday night it's going to be so so difficult what what i mean you know i was i've been I've, I've been thinking so much about this game and you know in this in this day and age with the the amount of data and video analysis that can be possible. Generally, you always go into matches knowing exactly who the opponent is. You know, this isn't like previously in, in in decades past, Scotland would go to a World Cup. I think we played Zaire in one game and the coaches had literally not the first idea of what the other team were going to be like or how they were going to play. But this is a little bit like that. It's a real step into the unknown because we just, like you said, with the form, with the fitness, with the players, with the emotional side, you just you have no idea how this ukraine team is going is going to pitch up on wednesday night it's so difficult to predict we just have to try and play our own game i think we're we're confident we're in a good place we're eight games unbeaten i'd like to say i'd like to say it'll be a 2-0 scotland win and hopefully in 90 minutes because we don't have much time either one of us if it's if it's ukraine if it's scotland we don't have a great deal of time to turn around for cardiff on sunday and and wales have the the luxury of putting their feet up against Poland in Nations League before they welcome one of us to Cardiff on Sunday night. So looking bigger picture let's let's hope whoever wins wins it in 90.
0: So Gordon where can we find you on social media? Where can they listen to your own podcast ahead of this big one?
3: yeah absolutely so obviously you can follow the tar- at the tartan scarf we're on twitter we're on instagram um in terms of preview pods for this game um i've actually haven't done a tartan scarf podcast but i'm a regular guest on the hamden roar podcast which is another scotland one that's a really good one to listen to so we've got a really good preview of the game there so hopefully you can all uh, catch us catch us there
0: thanks for joining us max how about you uh where can people find you if they where you want to follow you on social media instagram what's your app
4: anyone wants to follow me just follow me on my instagram it's maxim kuchirawi simple as that
0: lovely and uh looking forward to hopefully seeing you in the Ukraina end on wednesday right i think that's it adam's had to dash slightly early but he wishes everyone all the best and he's hoping for a good game on wednesday ray what are your plans for the big game you're looking forward to it well yeah
1: it is going to be uh the first half is going to be the curfew but uh as a person who remembers the previous two Scotland games, the one we won 2-0 and the second we lost 3-1 with Ken Miller scoring, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this one. And uh, I really hope we could take on Wales after that as well. But as I said before, this is the biggest challenge and I wish everyone to tune in on their tellies or the uh, online broadcast streams on Wednesday, 1st of June. Cave time
0: Lovely Uh, Thanks for listening everyone Um, There'll be regular podcasts Coming out hopefully In the next few weeks Ahead of all the different Matches that we've got Possible player final If we make it All the Nations League games And the likes Um, So stay tuned We're out